New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. the big thing old total soccer show the weekly show where we dig into the meatiest topics in the beautiful game today we're talking about the champions league which made its welcome return this week but the contest as we know it is facing some big changes that are going to kick in next season what are those changes why are they happening and will they make things better today we're going to find out. My name is Ryan Bailey. Joining me today to answer those questions and many more, we have Mr. Joe Lowry. Hello, Joe. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Marvellous. All the better for speaking with you, my good man. Aww. And we also have uh, Mr. Graham Rutherford <laughs> joining us. Hello, Graham. Hello, Ryan. Strange strange tone to start this episode. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, positive and jolly, because what we're getting into, Graham, is maybe not that same tone. Yeah, the, uh, I'm 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 not sure how I feel about this, Ryan. Can we not just keep yeah. things the same in general life, but also with uh, with the Champions League? Let's 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 not change it. So this is an interesting concept to start with in this episode, Graham. People generally don't like change when it comes to things they like, such as the Champions League. So there is a natural um, feeling that you should be sceptical of these changes, perhaps with good cause. And that's what we're going to dig into in this episode because the contest, the Champions League, as we know, is changing from the 24-25 season. It's getting bigger, but will it be better? Um, So it's going to be the 70th edition of the European Cup, the 33rd since the old Champions League rebrand. What we're switching to, Graham, is the Swiss system, which I uh, found out is uh, a chess term where each player doesn't play all the other players um but we do know that we never trust the neutrals uh, that's canon on this show uh, how should we feel about the swiss system I, I do wonder how far they'll go with borrowing idea, ideas from chess because i'm not sure i'm ready for knights and bishops to be involved in in, in soccer in some way but i also found that in my research uh ryan with this new format i have until this episode i have put off fully exploring what this format actually is and how it will change things. I remember reading when it was first voted through. I remember reading about it. I didn't like it. I hadn't gone back to it until this week because I was pretending it wasn't happening. But as you say, Ryan, this is the this season is the last time the Champions League will use this format that has been placed in place for over twenty years. There have been changes to the format before. Does anyone remember when there was a, a weird second group phase? Do anyone remember that? Yeah. Joe, I feel like that's maybe before your time. But Ryan, chance. you'll remember that. that was they the did 90s it for a couple of seasons. Yeah. Was, yeah. I think it was in the 2000s, but yeah, that was a thing. So even even accounting for the weird second uh, group stage era, this, this is the biggest change to the format of the Champions League since it replaced the old European Cup a long time ago. So it is certainly worth some discussion. Are you going to make me Google this? I thought Man United, when they won it in 99, did the second group stage. I might be wrong, though. Potentially, yeah, it might have been the 90s. I, I'm, I, I always re- remember it when I'm looking through 
club seasons like wikipedia does club seasons pages and then you'll look at the european section it'll say second group phase for when they exited i'm like eh? and then remember oh yeah that was a weird thing that was strange yeah i mean world cups have had that kind of affliction as well in the past graham so uh it's it, it is interesting these kind of tournaments do change over the years uh joe could you just lay out give us the uh the top line changes here please yeah you got it so the biggest changes there are really two as i see it the first is going from 32 teams in the group stage, which is what we have now, eight groups of four, works out very nicely, to 36 teams for next year and beyond. So because there are more teams, and because of the format change that we'll get to in just a second, we're going to see a huge increase in games. There are 125 games in the current Champions League format, so 125 times you can watch the Champions League with how things are structured now. With this new format, there will be 189 Champions League games. That's a huge increase. That's about a 50% increase from 125 up to 189. A ton more games, which, spoiler alert for something we'll talk about later, gives people a little bit of an idea of why this change is happening in the first place. So more teams, more games, which leads me into the second big picture change. The group stage format is different. So it's been a feature, the group stage, in its you know roughly current format with secondary phases, whatever, since 92-93. Ryan, you mentioned that rebrand. It's the Champions League. It's part of the Champions League. That's what we know it. But now, instead of a group stage that whittles down teams in half, going from 32 to 16 after every team plays each team in their group twice, six total games, now everybody's in one big table, and this is where the, the whole Swiss format comes in. All 36 teams are going to be in one big table, and they will each have eight quote-unquote group stage games against other teams in the table. There's nuance in how those teams are, or how the games are scheduled in that group stage that maybe we can get into, but that's the idea. One big table, no individual groups. Each team plays eight games. The top eight teams advance automatically to the round of 16, and this is where more games are coming up. Then teams nine through, what would that be, 24 play in a, a basically pre-round of 16, where they're in a round of 16 of their own to get to the actual round of 16. Very strange, different to be sure. And again, a ton more games coming in this new format. Yeah. So Graham, there's a fairly obvious reason why this is happening, is there not? There's going to be two more games for each uh, team in the current group stage, uh, but two less than those originally planned. Apparently they wanted each team to play 10 yeah. games when they originally uh, uh, touted this. There's got to be a reason. Maybe it's... It, could, could it be that they're going to make a lot more money with more broadcasting of more games? Could that be it? You you could be onto something there, Ryan, because, of course, as, as, as Joe has outlined, there's going to be significantly more matches in that, that format. And, of course, more matches means more money. So I don't think this is primarily happening to make the Champions League a better competition. Maybe that will happen as a byproduct. I, I have my doubts. One of the things I struggle with is is actually getting my head around how it will work and impact matches. I think it will be one of those things that we won't truly know until it starts, whether it has improved the, the Champions League. I think the closest thing I, I have experience of, because of I, I don't know if uh, we've spoken about this, but the, the schedule is going to be lopsided. So Joe can have referenced this, but you're not going to play every team in the league table. You're going to have five fixtures and, um, they, the, the way that that will be drawn is there will be pots and um, that's important because that will decide the schedule uh, because even though it's a one big league you're not playing every single team so each club will be drawn 
and to play two teams from each pot, one home and one away. So unlike in the current format, a, a club in pot one will play a game against two, two other, uh, one other team, excuse me, from pot one, as you can guess from how I'm explaining this. Oh, very confusing. Still haven't uh-huh. fully got my head around everything, but there's going to be more matches, more money. I think that is the real reason that this is happening. The, the Champions League currently brings in 3.6 billion euros for uh, each season. Uh, and when speaking about projected revenue, the competition's director for UEFA, Giorgio Marchetti, uh, said, quote, We are working on conservative and more optimistic projections in a range, I would say, between 4.6 billion euros and 4.8 billion euros per season for the Champions League to, to generate in revenue. So, Kerching, and I think that is the main reason they're doing this. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those people that I think we're all in this boat would prefer this not to change. It feels like... We are being held captive because, let's be honest, we're all going to watch the Champions League regardless of what the format is and what these intricacies are. And they can pretty much do almost anything to this competition and people are still going to watch it. So mm. in some ways, that that is the crappy part here. But I also respect it and have some respect for them building a product that is compelling enough to basically be able to withstand almost any change to it. But what I will say is, Graham... You know, you mentioned this is confusing, and there are parts of this that are confusing. I think it's inarguable that it is a little more convoluted than the current format. It's not, like, that complicated to understand. I think explaining it is a little bit more difficult, but saying everybody's in one table, everybody plays eight games. If you're a top eight team, you advance automatically. Then if you're not a top eight team, you play one, one or two little knockout games to get to the round of 16, and the rest is the same from there. Like, that as a, as a concept is not that difficult, I think this is going to catch on pretty quickly. I'm not saying people are going to like it more than what we have now, but I don't know that there's going to be this massive hurdle to understanding how and and really what the new look Champions League actually is. Joe, I have absolutely no doubt that you don't find this so confusing, but what I would say (laughs) is that sounded like a backhanded compliment. The point I'm trying to make here is... You're familiar with American sports and yeah, you're familiar true, with MLS. See, see, trying to explain this to my friends who haven't had that exposure at all. This is not really how European soccer... I can't think of another European soccer competition that apparently this they did this in the CONCACAF Nations League qualifying. Yeah. Obviously, MLS, there yep. are certain elements of MLS in here. I can't think of another league or competition in European soccer that does this. And yeah. so just explaining that 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 one point you made about it's a single league table, but you do not you don't play every team in that league. I think that is enough to confuse. And I don't mean this as an insult to the to, to the casual fan. I think that is enough to make this confusing. I, it's funny because I don't think that's where the confusing part's gonna come. I think that actually is gonna be where the most outrage is at the schedule imbalances. But let's be honest, there are already schedule imbalances depending on your draw. You could have an easy right. group, you could have a hard group in the current format. It's never going to be perfect. I think saying you're going to play eight games in what basically functions as a group stage is fairly straightforward. I think the more confusing part, the part that I tried to skate past in my plea for for this not being so confusing, is the, the sort of first round of 16. The fact that eight teams advance and they basically get a bye through another round. The bottom eight teams get dropped and they're not going to the Europa League. They're not going to the Europa Conference League. They're just done. But then the middle 16 teams go and do their own thing real quick while the top eight teams just kind of wait and wait for their their futures to be determined for them. That is the part that I think is a little bit more confusing. But again, I think you can quibble with, again, why we're doing this in the first place and, and maybe not loving that so much, whether or not this will be a better competition. But I, I don't think this is terribly more confusing than what we have now. It'll just take time. 
It's not terribly more confusing, I suppose, when you put it like that, Joe. I, I think that is interesting. Top eight going through into the round of 16 automatically, as you say, Joe. Then nine through 24 going into a playoff for the other eight places. It kind of rewar- That eighth or ninth finish is going to be really important because yeah. it's going to mean more teams, more games for, for those teams involved in that. So I think that's really interesting. Can I make a devil's advocate point in favour of this new format? I think it understands the assignment more. This, since 1993, whenever it was, this uh, competition has been called the Champions League. And it hasn't been a league up until this This point. isn't it's a league been... either. You're not playing every team in the league. <laughs> this is the nothing. It's not a cup or a league. It's, okay. it's, Ryan, I like that, actually. It's closer. It's not all the way there. Like, it understood the assignment more. Just, like, it's not that much more confusing. Like, it is still a little more confusing. And it's, like, still not really checking all the boxes. But it is... It's more of a league next year. It will be than it is this year. Like, I think even we would get Graham on board with that. It's not a balanced league, but it is, it's a little closer, right? Yeah, it, it is. It is. What's the matter, Graham? You hate chess? Is that what it is? I was actually quite good at chess in primary school, and I can't remember how to play it now, so I need to pick that up. Maybe this, maybe this is the thing that will make me uh, pick it up in a, a year from now, two years from now, I'll be a chess grandmaster again. There you go. Well, you wait for clearly playing 4D chess with these changes. Uh, why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll dig a little bit more into them. Who's pushed for them? How this might be tangentially related to a Super League, or maybe it isn't. We'll be back shortly to discuss more. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one... It's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. As we've established, the Champions League is changing from next season. An extra four teams, Joe, in this contest uh, from next season. Um, how 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 are they doing that? Where are they coming from? It looks like that you know there's going to be UEFA coefficients involved. So there's going to be an extra place that's going to the two leagues with the best UEFA coefficient going into this. But how they how they bringing together another four teams here? Yeah, so it, this is the part that I found a bit more confusing, and I'm guessing we'll all get used to this over time. But of the four extra clubs, from what I found, and I think this did change a little bit from initial proposals to now the final draft that will actually be enacted next year. 
Two of the four extra places will go to the best performing leagues in Europe during the current season. So during this particular year right now, the places go to the next team in the league that wouldn't have automatically qualified, right? So it's top four in the Premier League right now. If the Premier League is one of the two best performing leagues in European competitions, Europa Conference League, Europa League, Champions League, they will get an extra spot. And then same with with the other league that's in that category as well. Last season, if we'd had this new look Champions League heading into this year, Liverpool and Atalanta would have had those two spots, just to give people a little bit of an idea. One of the other slots, so that's that's two down. The third one will go to the club that finishes third in the league with the fifth-placed UEFA ranking. I honestly don't remember what that thing's called, but it's basically the Dutch right now. Graham's head is in his hands, folks. It is the Netherlands right now. They've overtaken Ligue 1, which is fascinating, I think. I think that's kind of interesting. Right now, it would go to the third place team in the fifth best European league. Come on, guys. That's not that hard. We already do the whole, well, which league gets two, which league gets three, which league gets four. The last spot to finish this rambling mess goes to the domestic champion of a lower quality league outside of the top 10, Honestly, couldn't figure out how they're going to decide which it is. I saw the term path of champions used multiple times and um, didn't know what that was, got confused. <laughs> it's going to go to maybe a, a team like Red Star Belgrade or something along those lines. Okay. Yeah, so the way the way that qualifying is set up right now is you have two different paths. I know this because this is uh, a topic of discussion in Scotland. You have a, you have a, a champions pass and you have a league pass, uh, a path, excuse me, and uh, the champions pass. It's league's pass, pass the uh, Apple thing. I think that's I think that's the Apple <laughs> thing. Yeah. I think that's the Apple thing. Yeah, synergy. Um, yeah, there's a champions path for champions of countries and then le- the league pass is just what the, the generic name that they give to everyone else who didn't win their title in their in their league. So yeah, that's what the champions path is. So, Joe, does this mean we're going to get more of your Red Star Belgrade and your Royal Antwerps, or does it mean we're going to have uh, more of your Manchester United's and Liverpool's in there, or is it kind of a balance of the two? It seems like it might be a bit of a balance, right? I, I think so, right? I think you're going to get some of the big teams that just didn't quite finish high enough up the table, and I think you're also going to get maybe a team like PSV or Feyenoord or whoever. I mean, maybe it's Ajax a year, right? You might get three Dutch teams, or you might get three French teams, so you could get... Marseille, PSG, and whoever else, right? Rim, who doesn't, it doesn't matter. But you might get a little bit of a balance there. Mm. And then also you might get a, a lower quality team or a team that maybe we don't see quite as often in situations like this. I don't know if that's going to be a positive here. I don't know that there are a ton of positives about this change to begin with, but maybe getting some different teams that we're not used to is going to be fun. Mm. So, so Dale Johnson, who works for ESPN, he went back through the last seven seasons to see which countries would get those spots. So last season... Um, you said Liverpool and Atalanta, right, Joe? That's the for, two teams. For the two places based off of that European competition yeah. coefficient thing. So half of the new slots. That's right. So, yeah, so that's what Dale's looked at here. Um, he has got the same work in here, England England and Italy. Season before that, England and Netherlands. Season before that, England and Spain. Season before that, England and Spain. You're getting a theme here. Uh, season before that, Spain and Germany. Season before that, England and Spain. Season before that, England and Spain. So there you go. <laughs> Why did England drop a season there? What's going on? Outrageous. Um <laughs> So what's what's interesting, Graham, is the extra place going to the two leagues with the best way for coefficient, as Joe outlined. There could be a scenario where, or is there a scenario where Man City are in the Champions League final and Man United are cheering for them to win because it means they get an extra place and they get into the Champions League the following season? Does that could that be a thing? Uh, possibly. I think <laughs> I'm not sure. Joe, we in here if you have a. I don't on think this. I don't think that can be a thing. Not because it's not technically possible in the competition rules, but. I just don't think Manchester United fans are going to go for it, Ryan. They might. 
They might. It's very important. Could get that, that fifth place make, makes them a Champions League a contender for the following mm. season. Manchester. I saw, I saw a video the other day that was somebody interviewing Tottenham fans about whether they'd rather be relegated or they would rather Arsenal, what would that be, win the title, lose the title? Basically, which is worse for them? Arsenal winning the title or getting relegated? And every single one that they showed at least said getting relegated. So if I apply that same logic to Man United and Man City, Man United are going to say, yeah, we'll sit out the Champions League. We don't want City winning that thing. Maybe that's not how they work, and that's just a, a North mm. London thing. That's a bravado thing. I think in practice, you don't want your team to get relegated. Well, I think I'm not it. arguing with that, right? Yeah. I, I think everybody <laughs> would agree with you. All right, Graham. So... Um, why are these changes happening? We've sort of outlined that money could mm. be the financial, the motivator here, as it is for most things that happen <laughs> in this sport. But who, who's pushed for it? Why is this happening now? Yeah, so the, the widely held belief is that this format change is to appease the, the biggest clubs in Europe who have been pushing for more control of, of European football in recent years. Obviously, it would be remiss of us not to mention the Super League in this discussion i think it is a factor we had that a couple years ago that opened up a real divide in european football not just between owners and fans but between uefa and the 12 breakaway clubs and uefa and the eca which is the european club association which is involved here the eca had actually been pushing for a, a bigger champions league for some time with the biggest clubs receiving more of the revenue the eca wasn't involved in the super league so andrea agnelli was the 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 chair of the ECA, he was then uh, he resigned from the ECA because the Super League was going behind the ECA's back, and now you have the the president of P of PSG uh, as the the head of the ECA. ECA. So it, it feels like <laughs> UEFA have essentially gone. Well, we're not giving you that, but we'll give these guys this. It feels like a concession to keep everyone quiet for the next few years. And I think the big tell in that regard that this was a concession and in some way related to the Super League, was that the original proposal included two qualification places for teams based on their historical success. So two places were to be reserved for the clubs with the highest five-year UEFA coefficient who failed to qualify for the Champions League that season. Sounds kind of Super league to me, and in the end that was actually dropped. But it, it does feel like the central premise of this is to serve the biggest clubs and the biggest leagues even more. And in a way, that was kind of what the Super League was designed to do. So this this obviously isn't the Super League, Graham, but should we be concerned that we're, we're creeping in that direction and this is a stepping stone? Um, I still feel like the Super League is probably a generation away from ever being raised again. And by generation, I mean at like 10 years plus away from being a feasible proposal. But you're right, Ryan, We are the scale has been pushed towards the bigger clubs and the power balance has been pushed again towards the bigger clubs. And that has happened every few years or so since the Champions League was founded. Keep in mind, the Champions League itself was founded to allow more bigger clubs to play in European competition. Before then, it was a case of if you won your league in European foot and in, in, in your, your domestic league in, in, in Europe, you were entered into a European Cup. It was very much a cup. It was a knockout competition. And so they broadened it out into this kind of hybrid league um, cup format to get more teams involved. So the, the Champions League at, at, at its central purpose is designed to serve the, the the biggest clubs. It's just now, as I say, we're pushing that scale further and further up the line. All right. So, so Joe, what do we like about this new format? I've already established that it's uh, it understands the assignment. It is, it is uh, in one way or another, a league. We will have a league table in which the top teams in Europe will be 
put against each other in a giant league. That is quite good in itself. I think that's quite doesn't exciting. matter how many times you say it. It's not a league. <laughs> anything, anything that we think there's positive that could come from this. Obviously, more games is good for us as a viewer, but it has its downsides if you are a player who has to play sixty plus games a year. Yeah, that's very, very true. And I'll get on to that maybe in a minute or two. Graham, I want to I want to flip back to you and your pushback about this not being a league because you're correct, to be clear. But you mentioned there are ties between this and Major League Soccer in that in yeah. MLS. Oh, don't, you also don't, don't play. This, well, that's what I want to know is, so like, where, where do you draw the line? Because Major League Soccer yeah, very much has the feel of a league. You draw it well before this new format, obviously, as you should. <laughs> But like, how how difficult for you is watching Major League Soccer or thinking about something like the Shield or MLS Cup or whatever when you could realistically go through a long time without playing the mm-hmm. best teams in the league or at least can not I, playing them as often? Can I just say for the listener, Graham has a tattoo on his arm that says round robin tournaments till I die. So that's <laughs> where he stands on this. So the thing with MLS is I, I kind of have to ignore and put it to the back of my mind um, that MLS has a lopsided schedule. I've written about it for The Guardian. It's easily the thing about MLS that I dislike most the fact that it has a lopsided schedule because if I think about it it means to me that every regular season you're you're getting a warped impression of teams where not everyone is playing the same teams um and I, I do have a real issue with it but it's just one of those things where you kind of have to I can't talk about it every single week but yes I don't like it in, in MLS I the Champions League to me it it functions maybe it's just because I've always known it this way but I think it functions fine, the Champions League, as it is. I think generally, I know sometimes you get Real Madrid winning the Champions League when maybe Man City are the highest quality team, but generally you get an impression of who the best teams are in Europe in any given season. And so moving it to to this format, I just think is unnecessary. And to recap, I just think it's purely money-driven. It's not to produce the best best competition possible. Yeah, Uh, so Graham Graham loves this, is what I heard. Yeah. Is that lineup? (laughs) I think that's right. I think... I think Graham was saying uh, it's fine. Good is the enemy of great is what Graham was saying. And we can get greatness uh, with this change, right? (laughs) To cut cut back in to when Ryan threw it to me in the first place and I derailed us. There is only one thing that I could think of that I actually kind of like about this. Everything else I think is bad and this was unnecessary and we didn't need to do it at all. It's that we could get more in earlier big team versus big team matchups. If the Champions League is designed to get us games between superpower teams, between the super teams in Europe, and it is, right? Let's not kid ourselves. That's what it's here for. It's here to entertain us with the best quality games that we could possibly get between teams that maybe we don't usually see playing against each other. With this new format, we will theoretically get more of those games. Graham, you mentioned the pot system earlier. Four pots, eight teams in a pot. Pot one, where the best teams are going to be, is the Champions League winner from the previous year and seven other teams that are really, really good. Those teams have to play two other teams from their pot. That means we're going to get lots of games between the best of the best. Now, with the way things are designed now, where there's four pots and one pot one team in each group, one pot two team in each group, three and four, and so on, you don't get those pot one versus pot one matchups. You still get good games, and because there are good teams that are going to be outside of pot one, you get high-quality games, and all these teams are, are darn good, right? But in this new format... We will get more games of those big team versus big teams. And I think that is maybe the only thing that I am honestly excited about for this change. Yeah, and not only, Joe, will you get more games between big clubs, you will now, there's now the possibility to get games, to have matches between clubs of the same country. 
So yeah. they're getting rid of that that barrier. You can now be drawn against um, teams from your own league. In the current format, you can't have that until I think the quarterfinals. I don't. I think they they they, they restrict that in the round of sixteen as well. In the current format, you certainly can't have it in 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 the group. They have got rid of that, and and I think automatically, if you have same country clashes earlier in the competition, that instantly makes the first round. A, a little bit more competitive in those moments. That's just a natural thing. If you're playing a team from your league in Europe, those are always built up to be big games. So yes, I think you're right, Joe. I think we're going to have more big games in the first round. But when there are so many safety nets to ensure that those big clubs are getting through to the to the, to the the knockout rounds, whether that's through finishing as the top eight or in that weird playoff round, I kind of wonder if that will take the edge off the competitiveness that if you had more big games in this format, maybe they would be competitive. If, do you get what I'm saying? I think they're yeah. maybe dulling it in a way yeah. with the format. No, 100%, Graham. And that's that's a huge negative, I think, against this. The fact that everybody gets eight group stage games and 10 would have been even worse. But instead of six, the margins for error just got bigger, right? You can go in, you can be Barcelona, and you can struggle in the same way that you did in the group stage last year. And yet they had some good performances, but in, with, with Inter and Bayern Munich, they didn't get out of that group. They finished, what, I think they finished third, fourth. Either way, they didn't finish top two in that group. If you give them two more games, they might've had enough to climb back above that line in advance, even though you could argue about whether they deserved it or not, right? That's just one example. But you make this whole process take longer, you make it more lenient, and you take out naturally some of the chaos that's in with the Champions League. Graham, you mentioned earlier generally we get a good idea of who the best team is by by who wins it. But there are always these ridiculous upsets, right? Ajax makes a run to the semifinals. Tottenham make a run to the semifinals. Real Madrid win the whole thing, even though we all agree they shouldn't. That stuff happens in the Champions League, and it will still happen in this new format, but I think it's going to happen less because the structure with more games is naturally going to be more forgiving and will lend itself less, in my opinion, as things stand now, to ridiculous upsets that take teams out of the top eight and move other teams down and just do crazy things. So fundamentally speaking, Graham, will this new format solve any problems that currently exist? Maybe even the, uh, the, 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 the greater chance of teams from the same country playing each other. Is that a problem that's solved now? Are there any ways that this actually improves the competition in the group stage? So I think there is an opinion that the Champions League group stage is, is quite dull. Um, I personally don't know if I agree with that. I, I don't think it's as exciting as the knockout rounds, but isn't that just group football versus knockout football? I think if you wanted to make the Champions League truly exciting all the way through and make every match matter, you'd make it a straight knockout round all the way through the competition. But they don't want to do that because they want to guarantee the big club a number of matches, they want to give the big clubs a safety net and ensure they're in the knockout rounds, and you'd have even more upsets. Joe's mentioning Ajax making a run to the semi-finals. You would have, like, two or three of those every single season in a straight in a straight knockout format. Um, so I'm not convinced that this changes much in terms of making the first-round matches better or more exciting. That isn't the reason that, th- that this is happening in my opinion, I think it might exacerbate a problem that already exists with the Champions League. And I don't like that once again, we are weighting the Champions League towards the big leagues and the big clubs. I've already talked about this, but it is already so difficult for clubs. And look, I appreciate I am speaking as a Scot here, so it's something that affects my country directly. But it's already so difficult for clubs from non-Big Five leagues to get into that group stage. PSV Eindhoven had to go through two rounds of qualifying this season to get to the group stage. PSV are not a small club. 
they are not a bad team either. I know they got thumped by Arsenal last night, but, but last night, but generally they are not a bad team. They play in the Netherlands as well, which is not a non-soccer nation. And I feel strongly about this because Scotland is suffering really, really badly from this. Now, people might say that our teams are poor quality, and I can't argue with that this season. I think Celtic are going to get thumped in pretty much every match they play this year. Rangers in the Europa League are going to do poorly. But our our, our teams are getting poor and poorer, both literally and figuratively, because European football keeps getting further and further away from these leagues. So I foolishly thought that more places in this format, before I looked into it, might mean it's easier for Scotland or other countries to get into this competition. I remember when they introduced the Nations League, and I was pleasantly surprised that that actually made it easier for countries like Scotland, or smaller countries, not all about Scotland, like smaller, smaller non-elite countries to make it into a major tournament and I thought oh maybe they're doing something with the cha- similar with the Champions League here that is not at all what is what is happening and as I kind of listed earlier if you look at where those places would have gone in the past five seasons it's always England and Spain or England and Italy or England and Germany or whatever so this new format I think will push small countries even further down the ladder and if this is meant to be a truly pan-continental European competition and look that's maybe where it's difficult to balance is this meant to be the absolute cream of the crop the best teams in Europe or is it meant to be a pan-European league that is a difficult balance to strike but there's no doubt that those non-big five leagues are getting pushed further and further away all right on that note we take another quick break when we come back we'll look at a few more of the repercussions and maybe we'll try and make a judgment on whether the quality of this competition is going to get better or worse back shortly Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Shopify, who would like to remind you that not everyone can be Erling Holland or Harry Kane. I would say only Erling Holland and Harry Kane can be Erling Holland and Harry Kane. But more to the point, not everyone can score the number of goals that those two score. Not everyone can set the goal scoring record. Sometimes you've got to be the teammates. Sometimes you've got to be the assists uh, person. You've got to be Kieran Trippier or Kevin DeBarna. You've got to spread the ball around. You've got to help facilitate that attacking play and those goals to help get the results you want. Because you need that perfect teammate. And when you need a perfect teammate when it comes to growing your business, Shopify has you covered. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. That feels like a good stage to be at. Shopify is there to help you grow along the way. How do they do that? Well, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. You can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So you don't have somebody kind of following you around the online store just saying, can I help you, can I help you, can I help you? Nobody needs that in real life or online, but Shopify's AI gets the job done. And that is a very unique aspect of Shopify that no matter how big your business is, and that's something I really appreciate, you can be a a podcast just starting up, a podcast that's been here for a while, or a business that actually makes money. Either way, uh, Shopify is going to help you because that's what they are all about. Sign up for just $1 per month uh, trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Uh, One more time, go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash TSS. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who would like to remind you when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. You don't want to end up with Ryan, Graham, and Joe. Just kidding. 
Just kidding. Very much just kidding. Because I was very fortunate to have the three of them all join the show. And I had existing relationships with all three of them that allowed me to know that they could handle the, 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 uh, the amount of work that would be required, that they could be diligent in their tasks and be very effective on mic. And all three of them are. But again, that's because you have the existing relationship. If you don't feel like you have that with potential hires, then LinkedIn is going to make it very, very easy. And they're going to make it feel like you are connected to that person. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. But when you are setting the requirements and making it very specific as to what you're looking for, you can very quickly narrow it down to find the right candidate for that position. Hiring is easy when you have that many candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can too. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash TSS. That's linkedin.com slash TSS to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thank you very much to LinkedIn for sponsoring today's episode. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing. Graham, you mentioned before the break the Nations League, and I think we were all quite sceptical before that competition started in each of its respective confederations. And now the consensus is, okay, well, among most, arguably among most fans, that it's been a good thing yeah. for international soccer. It's, be- it's better what came than what came before, I think, is the consensus. Right. So do we think there's there could be a, a position where we feel this way about the new Champions League format, where we're sceptical now because of change and because, as we established at the start of the show, change is quite hard quite when things are established like they are in this circumstance. Mm-hmm. Could there be a scenario where in a, in a year or two we're like, oh, I'm really glad we made that league, non-league change that we did? Possibly. I think I think it's unlikely. But you're right. I was sceptical. We were all sceptical about the Nations League, and I, and I think that has been more successful than we envisaged. I think, and this might be a bit contentious, this is not me saying that I am in favour of this, but I think one of the most popular things with the general casual fan with this format will prove to be that there's more matches. Like I know Jurgen Klopp is going to have an aneurysm with with this format change because he's already very upset with the number of matches that his team are, are are having to play. But there's a big increase of matches. There's going to be an extra round of games. There's going to be more big games. I think generally people kind of sit down and watch the Champions League with their dinner. They're maybe not as 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 obviously there are fully engaged fans. There's match going fans, but the Champions League is a mass market product, and I think to the mass market, having more games is going to be is going to be popular. And that's essentially what the Nations League done. It did, excuse me. It, it added more competitive games, and I think people like that. So that's maybe one area where it it, it could surprise people. Um, but I think when your core purpose is not to, I think the Nations League was actually quite well-intentioned in terms of its core purpose. It was to improve the quality of the the lower nations, the lower-caliber nations in Europe. It was to create better matches to get rid of the friendlies. And as we've already discussed, there isn't really that core purpose with this format change. It is purely to create more matches, to create more money. And that puts you on a, a pretty shoddy footing, in my opinion. Yeah, to carry the Nations League analogy forward a bit more, which is not somewhere I thought we were going with this, other than I had that CONCACAF Nations League Swiss model note in my notes too, Graham, is I think the Nations League has been great for some folks. I think generally U.S. men's national team fans would say, yeah, this has not been great for us because it means you're playing, no offense to some of these teams, but teams like El Salvador and Guyana 
in Nations League windows when before you could have been playing England in a friendly or, or whatever it is, right? There are still opportunities for friendlies, but in the same way that that tournament has benefited some, it has hurt others or limited opportunities for others. I think that obviously applies to some of the, the big clubs and the gap continuing to widen as they continue to collect bigger and bigger broadcast revenue checks relative to the rest of their leagues that are not in this competition. There's a gap there. There's an issue there. I also think on the on playing more game side of things, Graham, I totally agree. The average fan, I think, will appreciate that because soccer's fun and we like it. That's why we do this show is because we love soccer and it's awesome. The challenge is, I think for some, and the biggest of the big clubs will be affected by this, I think for some, eventually we're going to reach an inflection point of games. And I don't know when that's going to be, and I don't really know what that's going to look like. But when we do, that is going to hurt the quality. Maybe it won't hurt it enough. Maybe the, the downsides won't outweigh the upsides. But we're going to reach a point when like injuries are starting to plague some of these big teams. We've, we kind of already have seen, Graham, you mentioned Jurgen Klopp. We've seen big public figures in this sport say like it enough like we, we can't do this even ones that benefit tangentially from the exposure or the revenue or or maybe they they benefit indirectly whatever it is Rafael Varane tweets about this all the time Pedri played like 80 bajillion thousand minutes last year and guess what he's hurt right now and maybe that's related maybe it's not I'm not a doctor but I think the timing of this is funny on that side of things where we're increasing the number of Champions League games the, the world's elite players by 50% the the year before FIFA has an expanded Club World Cup, right? This is going into the summer of 2025 when 32 teams are going to participate in the Club World Cup in the United States and going to be doing something that we've never seen before. It's more soccer. Like, it's more soccer. And again, Graham, your point is right. I think the average fan says more soccer. That's awesome. I think, though, we're getting dangerously close to a point where more soccer is ultimately going to lead to less soccer for the players that we like to watch play more soccer. And that might just be a weird roundabout way that everybody's kind of shooting themselves in the foot at the exact same time. Yeah, and I, I, to, to, to build on that point, Joe, more soccer for the average fan is good. But as you mentioned, I think there's an inflection point for fans as well. I, I know several people in the UK who don't really engage with the Champions League group stages currently because they're like, oh, it, it only heats up in the knockout rounds, which is true to a certain extent. But also and there might be other factors like, I think it's quite expensive to watch the Champions League in the UK, for example, so you can start your package in March rather than in uh, in September. But there's going to be a point where if there are too many games and the competitive level goes competitiveness level goes down, and those group stages, uh, you know, there might be some more dead rubbers in theory if uh, if there's two extra games for each team. Yeah. So that that's going to harm the product, Graham, in for the fans as well. Like They're not going to feel, oh, more soccer is great when that soccer mm -hmm. isn't great in itself. Off on a bit of a tangent, I, I think this is the first real step to the towards the death of the domestic cup competitions, or right. at least the end of the, the, the clubs that will be involved in Champions League and European football not being involved in the cup competitions. So maybe maybe the, the deal will be if you finish in the top four or, or five, if, if, if that's what it turns out to be in, in, in the Premier League, then the next season you don't take part in the League Cup and the FA Cup. And the clubs will probably be okay with that because they're making more money through the Champions League than competing through those domestic cup competitions. I, th I do think that's a bit of a shame though because... Obviously, as a lower league fan, I'm maybe a little bit biased here, Ryan, you'll feel the same, but th th there is a magic to the domestic cup competitions. Even if they don't have a relevance as such at, at, at an elite level, 
there is a magic to the upset of the cup and giant killings and you as a Wimbledon fan going to Stamford Bridge to take on Chelsea and their 100 million pound midfielders and so we're losing something some sort of heritage of the game there these clubs probably don't care about that and to be honest a lot of casual fans I don't think will care about that either they'll just see big games in Europe they'll see Bayern Munich versus Manchester United they'll see Real Madrid versus you know Man City whatever on a weekly basis and they'll think sign sign me up for that so I think that is the direction of travel with this format change yeah I think it and it's it's a further detachment of the big clubs from the rest of soccer which bear in mind the rest of soccer has a lot of fans in it arguably as many or more fans than the big clubs do have I saw a tweet uh, earlier this morning of a fan saying many uh, many United fans have it the hardest of any club <laughs> what they've been through was it Taylor no, but it was it was sort of it showed that detachment of well, you know, there are clubs who've had points deductions, there are clubs who are insolvent at the moment. There's lots of other big issues rather than you haven't spent your money properly uh, and you're a giant club still in the Champions League. So there is there's an element of that detachment and in, in this as well. It's I don't know, like why don't we try and fundamentally answer this question or prediction? Because I know Joe, you you're the prediction king on TSS. Yes. Will the Champions League be better or worse once these changes come in? I think it'll be worse just because I think we are getting closer to that inflection point where there maybe are too many games. We might start to see some more injuries. There is going to be, I would imagine, fewer crazy upsets than there have been, although that's already been decreasing. Michael Cox had a good piece for The Athletic about this. You know, the gap between the second team in each group and the third team in each group has grown over time as the Champions League in its current format has existed. So it's not great now. But I don't think this is going to improve the Champions League. But I will say, when I started doing this research, again, this is kind of me grasping at, at positive straws. When I started doing this research, I expected to say, like, this, this is going to suck. It's not going to be nearly as good as it is now. It's just a cash grab. And it is a cash grab. Very blatant one. But I'm not sure that they've gone in and wrecked really anything doing this. But I guess we'll find out. Yeah. I think I'm quite neutral about it as well, Joe. I think it could be better, it could be worse. But ultimately, if it's going to if it's going to make something worse, I think it's going to make those domestic cup competitions worse, like Graham Soldier. It may arguably make uh, domestic league products worse because of the focus on this competition. Ultimately, players play too many games now. Adding more, adding more international competitions in the summer or more games to international competitions in the summer doesn't really help the game as a whole. So while I'm quite neutral on the changes here. I think the ramifications these changes have to the wider game are negative. Graham, what do you feel? Yeah, I would agree with that. In terms of the, the quality of the matches, in the immediate term, I don't think it's going to have much much impact at all. I can't see it creating more drama. I, I can, however, seeing it see it creating more confusion. It, 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 is, it is messier, this, this format. I like clean competitions and, and tournaments. I like to understand permutations and what's going on, and, and this will certainly not help with that there's a scenario in my mind where you know imagine the final match day of the final uh, of the first round excuse me and in, in, the, in the current format you only have one other result to factor, factor into that equation there's only one other game to pay attention to and to work out the permutations from of which teams are going through and which teams are going out in this format as I understand it with the single league table it will be factored against like multiple other results so I think it will end up being a case of full-time whistles blowing and teams not really knowing if they're through or not. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned the battle for like 8th and ninth. 
I think there's going to be a lot of confusion at the end of games of who's finished eighth, who's finished ninth, and we'll have to wait for like an official table to actually work that out. And I just think that takes away from that moment of excitement. So generally, broadly speaking, I'm, I, I don't like this format change. All right, that's where we've landed, listener. Let us know what you think and join us on patreon.com slash Show. We have a very active Discord where we'll be discussing this and much more. But for now, Joe Lowry, a wonderful discussion here. Yay! 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 <laughs> Yay to you, Ryan. This was, this was fun, even if we're not sure if the Champions League is going to be more fun than it already is. Indeed. Graham Rutherford, thank you very much for your insight here too, pal. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. Should I do the Champions League chin to play us out? Or no? no. So are they going to make it like 15% longer now? Is that what <laughs> I have to do? Extra verse? Maybe that's what yeah, they're going to do. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> There's not many lyrics, so maybe they're going to add some more lyrics. The champions by coefficient. They'll, they'll find a way of doing it. Anyway, listener, thank you again for joining us on this big thing. Let us know what you think. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.